and stumble to the kitchen Pour myself a cup of ambition And yawn and stretch and try to come to life Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping Out on the streets the traffic starts jumping With folks like me on the job from nine to five Working nine to five What a way to make a living Barely getting by It's all taking and no giving They just use your mind And they never give you credit It's enough to drive you Crazy and you let it Nine to five For service and devotion You would think that I Would deserve a bad promotion Want to move ahead Just a step on the boss man's ladder But you got dreams he'll never take away On the same boat with a lot of your friends Waiting for the day your ship will come in And the tide's gonna turn and it's all gonna roll your way Working nine to five You ever see the movie? No. You never saw it? No. I saw it when it first came out And I don't know why I remember this At the North Conway Theater downtown north conway really i don't know why i was bored i guess I <laughs> it was a cute movie it was all right but uh 806 is the time welcome on in if you're just waking up looking outside going oh my god <laughs> give yourself a few extra minutes this morning boys and girls it is chilly uh, i was 13 when i pulled out of the dooryard this morning and there's white stuff on the driveway little coating of icy snowy stuff uh, it was slow going uh, on 89 this morning. Yeah, it's pretty icy. I did see two vehicles off. Uh, I was doing 55, and I just said, you want to pass me? Pass. No. And somebody booted me, and they were a BMW, of mm. course, mm -hmm. red and white license plates. Sure. They got around the corner, and somebody was off the road. Boy, did they back down real quick. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I said, okay, there you go. See, the dumb boy in the truck ain't so dumb, is he? Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, give yourself. The crews were out there. Um, and why people want to pass the sanding trucks. Right. It's like, seriously, um, the truck The truck was doing uh, the regular, not the passing lane, but the regular lane, and there were probably eight or nine cars behind. We're just kind of, okay, fine, take your time. And then the truck decided to move into the passing lane. Well, really messed up the, that guy. Oh. And we're like, ha-ha, we're not letting you in. Go back. <laughs> You know, it's immature, it's childish, uh -huh. but I love doing it. So, uh, 18 for a high today. It is going to be breezy. Um, 14 for a low tonight. Um, tomorrow moderates <clears throat> a little bit. 27 for a high tomorrow. Uh, but then Wednesday, we're 40. Thursday, 45. Friday, 50. Okay. Yeah. It's right direction. Yeah. We've got we've got these two days, and Matt and I were talking about it this morning. Um if, if there's one good thing out of this, it's driving the ticks crazy. Um, I saw my vet um, over the weekend, and I said, are you pulling ticks off the dogs? She said, oh, yeah. Been doing it for weeks now. Wow. So, uh, well, you know, it's been 50, 60 degrees. Yeah, true. The snow's gone. And she said, oh, yeah, they're coming, and we're pulling them off. So this is going to, if you want to take the dogs out, bundle up. But uh, there are going to be no ticks out there this morning, <laughs> for sure, today and tomorrow anyway. Um, but if you haven't taken care, got your dog on front line or whatever it is you use, 
um, make sure you get them on because it's going to be a hell of a year. I got a feeling. Uh, Jeannie is uh, probably listening. Um, I know. Don't ask me why she does. Uh, she's down in the Sunshine State, mm-hmm. taking a couple of days off, and of course she had to pick this day. <laughs> of course, yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. It couldn't yeah. be sixty today, <laughs> right? Uh, but she'll be back. She says uh, sometime this week. Uh, Matt's going. Please don't lie to me. Very <laughs> bad. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, she's taking a well-deserved break. She covered for me, so, mm-hmm. and you did too. So thank you, thank you. Uh, we've got. Uh, it's going to be a busy show this morning. We've got a bunch of folks on, um, just because Matt and I just wanted to have breakfast and not work too hard today. Yeah, exactly. So, well, you know, yeah. that's the way it is. Um, but um, did you watch the Oscars last night? Uh, I didn't watch them. The only thing I saw was the whole Will Smith debacle. See, I, I didn't watch any of it. What yeah. was the Will Smith debacle? Uh, apparently, Chris Rock was the presenter, I guess. Okay. And he said something about Will Smith's wife. Oh. And Will Smith what literally went up on stage and slapped him in the face. Really? And Is then, that scripted or just... No, I don't oh, really? think so. Yeah, it's... it's it Because I saw a couple articles where they're actually talking about uh, the LAPD, you know, asking if they wanted to press charges and... So I don't think it was a, it, and it didn't seem like it had the feel of a of a scripted thing. So I think it was. Well, real. they're desperate for ratings. I mean, so that <laughs> would have been that, it. That is true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean, they are actors. So who knows? That's the know? first thing I'm thinking of. Right. Like, the ratings have been tanking. Right. So if now all of a sudden you've got a buzz, people uh-huh. are talking. Yeah. I figure it's a setup. It could be. It could be. Mm. You know. I mean, I guess if you're going to get anyone to act it, it would be Will Smith. So it's Chris Rock and Will Smith. Yep. Really? Yep. Oh, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. And, he, and uh, Will Smith dropped the uh, F-bomb a couple times. Well, again, that's nothing new. I mean, you know. No, but I mean, yeah. So I guess I guess they uh, they were able to filter it in time for the actual uh, televised really? version. But uh, yeah, but it's all over online without it. So yeah. It's... What happened to that show? It used to be one of those things that you watch it mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, it's kind of cool. And now it's just became yeah it's, it's like five hours or whatever it is just right. seems to drag on forever yeah i don't know they need to just drastically revamp it uh, and i think it's just a generational thing too i feel like probably you know people yeah. don't really have the same attentive span that they used to well i mean when we were doing it we had what five channels right, you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah and that <laughs> right. was that was it yeah and now it's kind of like yeah i can see this on youtube tomorrow right whatever. exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. i get it yeah 8-11 is the time. Going to take a break. Going to talk a little uh, little New Hampshire politics with a state senator. Uh, on the other side, we'll take a break. Be back with more. Somebody once told me the world is going to roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with her finger and her thumb in the shape of an L on her forehead. Well, the years start coming and they don't stop coming Fed to the rules and I hit the ground running Didn't make sense not to live for fun Your brain gets smart but your head gets dumb So much to do, so much to see So what's wrong with taking the back streets? You'll never know if you don't go You'll never shine if you don't glow Hey now, you're an all-star Get your game on, go play Hey now, you're a rock star Get the show on, get 816 is the time, and I'm kind of sorry I played that song uh, because it's not really about our next guest. Uh, it's about his daughter. Um, uh, she's the all-star. She's the big stick in the family. Uh, sorry, Kevin. Um, uh, um, she certainly is. Well, I'm sorry. The, kid, the kid's got you on this one, man. Um, 
Uh, okay. Uh, Dad is with us, State Senator Kevin Cavanaugh, District uh, 16, uh, out of uh, New Hampshire, New Hampshire State Senate. But uh, his daughter, Riley, she she is the star. Um, women's lacrosse, uh, she's a junior, uh, does attack midfield. She uh, scored a season-high five goals uh, this past weekend, just cooked uh, Gordon. Uh, Gordon scored first, and then uh, um, Riley and her uh, compadres went on an 18 nothing streak, smoked them, uh, I think 23-2. Was the final twenty three to two? Was the final? Yeah, yeah. It was an incredible, incredible show of uh, yeah, offense. You, that's you, for sure. Oh, well, like I said, we really wanted Riley, but we'll take Dad. You know. Well, we'll, we'll get her on in a couple weeks. How about that? Hey, that's the plan. I like when the season's done. That's that's great. <laughs> uh, She's gonna hate me for that. But you you must have been a proud Dad. I mean, season high five goals. She was smoking. Yeah, it was great to see her back on attack and doing the draws, and she was doing it last year. And it was funny because they with the COVID shutdown and. Um, the loss of her sophomore year and freshman year, she actually got a first team all conference last year and rookie of the year. So we uh, continue to be proud of her and all our kids. And it's just uh, it's just been a pleasure to be able to go to the games again this year to get there and watch them in person. Oh man, that's that proud dad. I mean, I get it. You know, it's you just sit there and you go, everybody wants Riley, and oh yeah, here's Riley's dad, the state senator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, dad. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take that second fiddle any day. No, I hear you. I hear you. So uh, last week was crossover week. The House gave the Senate uh, their bills, and the Senate gave the House your bills. Uh, how's it looking? It, you know, there's a lot coming through. I was. We had a lot. I think we uh, exact. I think twelve of them through eDNA alone. Um, I'll, I'll consent consent calendar. So I mean, it's a lot of work, and there's. A, I know there's a lot more coming, so it's kind of. Bearing down, I don't think we're going to have session next week, so we'll probably double up for both Commerce and EDNA to get get right through it. So I know a lot of people are going to be out there campaigning early, so yeah. we want to get get out there and talk to voters. You know, and and you're doing this for a hundred bucks a year, right? A hundred bucks a year, yeah. No kidding. <laughs> wow, <laughs> it is incredible. Like when I first was going to run for Senate, I came home and I was talking to my wife, and she goes, "What does that pay?" And I told her hundred bucks. <laughs> she goes, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> yeah. Now, now, so, but I, hey, it's it's a pleasure to serve for the state. That's for sure. Well, and you have you've got a good rep. Um, I don't think people really. There are some senators people don't pay a lot of attention to DNR. They don't pay attention to the initials. It's just what are you doing? And you seem to have right. a good buzz. Well, I mean, I, I really appreciate that because I mean that. Even running it, just I, I really, I mean, you look at working family issues. That's what I consider first. It's, it's, I don't care if you're, I don't. I just hate to be defined by a letter in front of your name. You know, I don't think anyone should. We should just look at the issues and how we can really go after and help working families, especially, especially now after this, um, the, the pandemic and and people going back to work, and it's just a totally different, um, different, different attitude out there you know people we need we need people i can look at in the state and as an alderman in the city the the amount of vacancies we, vacancies we have but people are are hurting and they we've got to got to get them back in the workforce we've got to help people and be able to help people be able to provide for their families and that's that's really what i try to stand for and look for um first of all first of all now is is your district um uh, going to be touched by the uh, proposed gerrymandering Oh yeah, yeah. Mine is. Um, it's it's just you know it's, it's thing that's too bad about it. They carved out one, just ward one out of Manchester and separated from the completely from the rest of the city, and as it was Gosstown, Hooksett, um, Candia, and Raymond, and it's just I mean it's it's just you really look at try to um, 
keep communities of interest together. And that's just, I mean, Senator Gray put this together. It's just laughable to think that there's any kind of community of interest here. But, but we'll see what happens. You know, I've uh, got a lot of good friends in, in all those towns, so we'll start reaching out and see what see what we think. We'll dive into those numbers. But but who knows? I mean, the governor, i got to give him credit for uh, saying he's going to veto the congressional district, which, you know, even his own words to his own party, so it doesn't pass the smell test. So, you know, I think there's not just the con- congressional maps, but I think also the state Senate maps you can, she could really look at. But um, we'll see what happens with that. Any any uh, real contentious bills coming uh, from the House your way that you're kind of leery of? There's a, I hear there's 52 bills coming for all some kind of like vaccination or, or and I haven't really looked at them. We kind of get overwhelmed with what you have and as soon as they come through. So I'm kind of um, interested to see what those will look like. And then there's 52 of them. I don't know what they're what they're looking at, but we'll see. Uh, We'll see when we get them. All right. And how about you? Uh, any pet bills that you've been championing? One, one I have, I'm very proud of. It's even to have the uh, DGW workers and, and uh, health department workers considered for, uh, first responders. And that, that did pass through the Senate. And um, it's just, I mean, everything they've done. And <laughs> when we were all sitting at home, our garbage got picked up, the potholes were repaired. The health department in Manchester had the first test session uh, set. Um, uh, drive-through uh, testing in the country. So these people all worked. They all supported us when we were home. And it's just, I, I'm proud of that one because it just it designates really what they are, first responders. Mm, all right. Um, now, I was talking to um, um, Senator Guida, um, Bob Guida, last week, and he was uh, uh, going off on the uh, marijuana bill. Is that getting any traction or any support? Well, I, I think it's. I think it is. I, I mean, I've voted against it in the past, and I. I mean, I think I've really got to seriously look at it. And I remember saying in seventeen when I was first running, I said we got to look, see what happens around us. And now you, everywhere around us is all legalized, and there's there's some revenue coming from that. I mean, I I'm not sure we're. I'm not sure if the state should control it or if it should be private entities, uh, but that's another thing that's. I think, I think it's going to get some traction this year, and uh, be interesting to see where everyone everyone votes on it yeah and i think i've heard that uh, uh some powers that be said yeah well we could see it if the state ran it like we did the liquor and uh, uh the lottery you know if it was under our purview and other people saying really do you want the state uh doling out the marijuana uh, that doesn't kind of make sense it's still uh, defined as an illegal drug and and possibly a gateway drug right a gateway drug as well and, and you know it's just i mean we're all for private industry, right? And I think if we have licenses, almost like we talked about with the uh, with any kind of gambling, you know, just uh, have people do that and run it a private as a private company. That's how I feel anyway. And it's not that that's a hundred percent. If someone explains it a little different, that the state's running it. Um, but it's the first first glance for me with the state running it, I just don't don't really like that. Mm. Uh, we okay financially? The yeah, I think we're good. You know, I think we're good. I, we, um, the, the governor's in the state of the state, had a lot of uh, a lot of money on hand. But I mean, ideally, I'd like to see some go back to the cities and towns for more property tax relief. Um, that's in, <laughs> sitting on the board in Manchester too. You see that, and I think the state, if they have, have that kind of money, we could really ease again working families. And um, the biggest thing we get all the time is property taxes. So it'd be nice to get some of that relief. Yeah, I didn't quite understand the uh, hey, we're going to waive the rooms and meals tax. Um, I'm like, really. Um, that's, right. Uh, wh- wh- how would the towns get their money? 
Well, and that's that's going to be interesting because there's less going. I mean, we're trying to get even more more money from the state that's given to the uh, the state pension fund. Right. Um, the state's really dropped the ball over the past 12 to 15 years. And, um, you know, the, the, the cities and towns have to pick that up, and to give them less is just that. Uh, I see it every budget cycle in Manchester, you know, um, we need more relief from the state, not less, that's for sure. I hear you. So you uh, you still favorably inclined to uh, running again, keeping your seat? I'm going to look at it. I mean, it's an absolute honor to serve in the Senate, and it's just something I never thought I'd do, and it's um, something I want to do, but i got to look at, have the reality check and, and look at the uh, the numbers and see what they do. And I mean, you got to raise a lot of money from people, and it's just a... Uh, I want to make sure I have a, a solid footing of where that race could be before I kind of decide. But that's going to probably be in the next couple of weeks. Okay. Well, uh, A, keep me in the loop. Let me know what you're doing. And B, uh, be good to Riley because she's your meal ticket, man. Uh, <laughs> she's going to be carrying the old man. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Maybe wheeling me down to the field. <laughs> well, look. But I really appreciate that. We have a great time going to the game, though. It's nice to, uh, nice to see you get that record. Like, yeah, I heard about the uh, Colorado Springs trip, too, huh? Nice break. <laughs> Do you hear about that? Oh, I heard it. Kevin, oh, yeah. I, people tell me all kinds of stuff. <laughs> yeah, we got out there for two days. One of the other parents said, they better, because their, their flight got canceled, so they the team couldn't even make it out there. So there was like six or eight parents out there with no uh, no team. So we flew back Wednesday, because they, they ended up having a game against uh, MIT they scheduled and for that Wednesday. So we flew back Wednesday instead of Friday. So <laughs> it was a good little trip. <laughs> wow. We got all the way out there in the teams in Rhode Island. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Well, look, uh, congratulations to Riley, and you keep us in the loop about what you're going to do, and we'll get you back on. Great. Okay, thanks, Peter. Appreciate it, Kevin. Thanks a lot. Nice to be on. Thank you. We'll see you. All right. State Senator Kevin Kavanaugh out of Manchester, just kind of checking in, because now, you know, House House bills and swapping with the Senate, see what's going on. And um, you can, it's always a straight story. Most of these guys we have on, they just put it out there for 100 bucks a year. What are you going to lie about, you know? How long has it been 100 Huh? How long has it been? A hundred dollars. It's been a hundred bucks. That's for, it. Like when, when forever. They, yeah. 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 And it's, it's amazing. So it, it ain't the money. Uh, <laughs> and even if you get mileage, but you know, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> right. Um, no, there's uh, there's nothing. It's a hundred bucks a year. Wow. Yeah, I know. So that's what I said. If she goes national lacrosse, she's your meal ticket. Mm-hmm. Be nice to her dad. Eight twenty seven. We'll take a break. Back on the other side with more on Newstalk ninety nine point seven WNTK. AM 1490, FM 98.9, WUVR. Everywhere you look, you can write a book on the trouble with a woman and a man. But you can't impose, you can't stick your nose into something that you don't understand. Still you wonder who's cheating who. Who's being true? Who don't even care anymore? It makes you wonder who's doing right with someone tonight and whose car is parked next door. I thought I knew her well. A32, Alan Jackson. Who's cheating who? Nobody's cheating anybody. Um, now, it's, now it's spitting snow again. Oh. 
how was the road when you came in, Nathan? Oh, it was awful. I actually think they should just forecast it as sadness. Where did you where, where did you come in from? Um, I came over from Durham, but I'm oh. currently work out of uh, Concord. Okay. And I did see a van, and a uh, a van was in the ditch, and it's getting icy. Yeah, it really is. Uh, so, like we said, um, you're just going to work. I mean, you know, it's not like you have to get to the hospital quickly. You're going to work. Uh-huh. Take your time. Uh-huh. Just slow down. They'll I th- understand. I, they must. I think they must have presumed that the roads were going to be warm enough underneath to just keep it. I don't know if they pre-treated. Um, I don't think. I, they I don't did. think they did. No, because no. I mean, there's just spots where it's just it chunks icy. of yeah. ice. I mean, it's yeah. bad. Yeah. Yep. So I just ambled up, and you want to pass? Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. care. Yeah. I'm in no hurry. Uh, Nathan Fink is with us this morning. Good to have you in. Thank you Thank so you much. For doing the treacherous roads. To be oh, here. it's my pleasure to come out. And and okay, why are you here? It's did a great you bring question. Breakfast? <laughs> no, but I did bring coffee. <laughs> okay. Um, so I I'm I'm coming on because I I'm the director of advancement at the New Hampshire Children's Trust, and I wanted to yes. come because we are rounding the bend into April. Yes. Which is National Child Abuse Prevention Month, and there's uh-huh. a lot happening in that sphere that I wanted to talk about. Uh, okay. Uh, now I am. Jeez, I'm one of these people who's probably really numb about this. Is it a big problem? Well, you know, it's funny that you asked. I, I don't mean to be crass, You're right? Uh, because I just don't know. <laughs> the answer is yes, okay. but you know, what can we do about it? Yeah. I think is is a kind of a better a better way to look at it because you know, every April we have try to have this conversation that's based on essentially a national conversation where we look at. Uh, all hang, right, hang on a sec. See, this is my job. Why April? Is there a is symbolism to April? There, well, it started, I think, in the early 80s when uh, Ronald Reagan declared it as National Child Abuse Prevention Month. And so it's just historically, for decades, okay, okay. been the time when we have this conversation. Okay. right? And what we're trying to do really is raise awareness about what it takes to strengthen the family unit, mm-hmm. which is kind of the opposite way you think about you know child abuse and neglect but what we see is when we when families have very standardized things that you're going to see the incidences of child abuse and neglect plummet but we're just coming out of covid right yeah and we're coming out of a lot of isolation we're coming out of a pretty good sized economic shock we're coming you know this last weekend i was just in boston seeing people what felt like for the first time and i'm like i didn't even know who to be in this fear and i've got two young kids a three-year-old and a six-year-old running wild and i'm trying to (laughs) i'm just trying to figure out what it means to be a dad a husband and all of those things in this environment and what i can do and so that's the kind of conversation that we have every april is all right, if you're a guy just like me and you're emerging like we all are, what is it we can do to make sure that we've got what we need as a family unit so that our kids who are going to become adults, who are going to have kids, right. have a positive cycle? You know, And so that's what we're working on. Now, I know in the 80s and, and somewhat in the 90s, it seemed um, uh, the, the big hook was, oh, the nuclear family, that's dead. Make that go away. That is a stereotype. It's uh, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And I always thought a nuclear family was a decent base to build something on. Am I wrong? Well, it's not that you're right or wrong. It's just that families change. You know what I mean? Like, I came from a family, a single mom. Okay. You know, I come from, you know, you've got... The, you seem like you turned out all right. <laughs> ask my wife. Okay. Yeah. No, but <laughs> if you... I think the look of family is changing. 
And I think that the look of family is changing. What we can do is say, hey, there are kids involved here. There are better environments, worse environments. What can families have to be supportive, right? So for example, there's these, these things called protective factors where we know that if you have these five things, that family that you're talking about, no matter what they look like, mm-hmm. they're gonna be stronger. Okay. If you've got parental resilience, right? If I'm a resilient dad, that family to find resilience. What well, you, resilience is your ability to bounce back from things, right? Okay, okay. So, I'm driving in here. I get in a car accident. What happens, right? Do I melt down? Do I panic? What do, can I kind of recover from situations that are okay? And not only recover, but maybe learn from them and be better by them. Teaching moment. I yeah, got teaching got moment. It. Right. And yep, we're not yep. abo- above as adults, as parents or caregivers. We're not above learning things. Right. Right. So parental resilience social connection if you have a a web of friends that you can talk to and kind of either unload listen uh to others you're more likely to be resilient because you have these things if you have access to concrete supports in the in times of need we just came out of covid right Right. my wife is a uh, choreographer dance teacher that whole industry evaporated oh yeah so what happens, and we know this from studies, a, a study came out of DCYF in 2021 uh, in Wisconsin, which ironically, I'm from Wisconsin. So, um, Cheesehead? Cheesehead, yeah. Good. I've got right. little tiny, right. yeah, I got little <laughs> tiny pieces of cheese, not platelets in my blood. But anyways, so um, we, if you experience an earning shock, if a family experiences an earning shock of 30%, yeah. There's a 20% increases to uh, child family services. Now, was your wife resilient? Well, yeah. Did she morph into another career? Well, I'll tell you what. We moved all of the furniture out of the house so she could have a space where she could try to Zoom. And, yeah, she's absolutely resilient. Okay, so she turned that into a teaching moment. It turned it into a teaching moment, right. So you've got things like, you know, concrete supports. You've got things like, look, if I'm a dad and I want to learn something about the milestones, and I've got a son now with challenges who's just diagnosed with ADHD, sensory challenges, and I, I don't know what this means because I'm a kid that my, you know, my, my parents from Wisconsin were just back in town and they're like, this is behavior problem. And I'm like, it's a little bit more than that. And I appreciate you wanting to send him to his room, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's different. We've got to have conversations now, right? Yep. And then the last one is social emotional competence of kids. If your child is able to participate productively in your family unit, mm-hmm you guys are going to be better off. And I keep thinking about this from like in the morning, getting the kids ready, right? You you know, I'm getting more and more stressed. I got to get to work. I got all these things going on. And if my son is able to do it by himself, how much more productive and easy that morning is? What happens to my stress level? All of that stuff. So really the whole April conversation is like, look, we know when stressors outweigh resources, things happen. We know if you can actually flip that switch, and give me and my family more access to resources, Sure, it's gonna go in the other direction. And by giving that added responsibility right. to the child, right. um, that gives the child um, a sense of ownership, right. if you will. And think about, okay, so we've got, we just were rocked by an opioid crisis. Then we had COVID, right? So we're looking at this environment where we got a lot of kinships caregivers, you know, grandparents taking care of grandkids, right? Or aunts and uncles, yep. family friends taking care of kids that aren't their own. Now imagine that grandparent having to walk around, bend over, clean up after a four-year-old, five-year-old. Mm. How much easier yep. is it? Yep. Even on the body, even on the brain, like this is what we're talking about with stressors. So really trying to create that environment. And it's it's funny that you mentioned opioid because if you look at the media, we don't have an opioid problem anymore. It's gone. 
it was replaced in the headlines by mm-hmm. COVID, and it's still there. It's still there. And unfortunately, it's probably festering even more right. yeah. because it's under the radar screen. Right, and we've got so we've got we've got a you know generation of say caregivers, parents, kids in recovery, right, doing what they can to emerge from that particular struggle. But then you got the kids of those that family. And you've got those those children are going to become adults eventually, you know, so you have those caregivers that are now stepping up to take care of those kids. And that is kind of the shadow of what came before it. So how can we make sure that that family and we were talking about nuclear family. Sure, sure. So I've, I've been in conversations with, you know, on the seacoast, there's all these pasta groups they're called, which is parenting second time around, where I went in and I sat in with 10 kinship caregivers. And there's this woman who was in her, I believe, late 80s, early 90s, who had her children who had challenges. And then her children's children had challenges. Now she's raising her children's children. Children. Think about that. I know. And we talk about parental resilience. She is now in the possession of, I think it was a three-year-old and a six-year-old coming to these groups, talking about how can I declutter my life? And I'm like, one, you're a hero. I mean, think about that. Wow, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I I had to meet somebody at a fast food restaurant a few months ago. Yeah. And table next to me, there was a husband and wife, and it looked like um, maybe uh, Mm -hmm. in-laws, two two or three, not four, but two or three, and then mm, four or five kids. Mm -hmm. Nobody, nobody was talking to each other mm-hmm. they were all on phones right texting i'm like seriously right you're at a fast food restaurant one table mm-hmm. nobody's talking right that can't be good well you know and it's so it's so interesting because like i i look at my my son coming home from work and he's got you know or my son coming home from i wish yeah yeah my son coming home from school yeah. easy on the responsibility i know okay? i was gonna say that that social emotional <laughs> competence yeah. better yeah. get productive yeah. quick baby steps yeah baby steps <laughs> but he's coming from home from school and in you know looking at these devices now as what well, what are they doing to the unit what are they doing to the brain where are the opportunities in those different places like he's got a school iPad great learning games the kid's six-year-old and he's excellent at math and he's like hey I want to go play that game where I have to start to think in you know division and multiplication and I'm like wow yeah. yeah okay. So and at one point, you're right. We've got a kind of this conundrum that is the lack of social connection right, right then and there, right. which is a lack of social skills. Mm-hmm. On the other side, oh, it seems like we have a, a hyper, you know, calculation going on. So the skills and this comes back to the family unit, right? Like the look of family, the operation of families is different than it used to be, but we still know that there are baseline needs that need to be met so families are strong and supportive. And that at the Children's Trust, what we do is we work with family serving agencies like family resource centers and other you know, organizations, businesses, the state, mm-hmm. to make sure that there is a culture of nurturing environments, safe, stable, nurturing environments for whatever these families are doing, wherever they wind up. I'll tell you what. Um we're going to take a break. We're going to do that. We'll come back. Um, uh, I want to, you were talking about uh, uh, ADHD. Mm -hmm. Um, Are are there still stigmas, societal stigmas involved? Oh my goodness, yes. I want to touch on that on the other side. We'll be back right after this.
The boys from Sunnaby, Stephen Tallarico, a.k.a. Steve Tyler, and the guys, Dude Looks Like a Lady, that was their comeback song. Really? Uh, yeah, they had done Dream On and Sweet Emotion, then they kind of imploded uh, and were trying to figure out what to do, and then they came out with Dude Looks Like a Lady, and everyone went, that's that's Aerosmith, yeah, they're <laughs> back. And then they went on. I didn't realize they had such a lull in between. There was, yeah, there was a huge lull. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Uh, yep. And that was that was the comeback. Then they did Pump, Get a Grip, and woo, yeah. took yeah, off. Yeah. You know, yeah. whole new generation huh. loved them. Uh, Nathan Fink from the uh, New Hampshire Children's Trust with us this morning. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, my pleasure. You know, and you made me think of a moment, and, and I didn't really think of it initially, um, a learning moment when you... you Give your children credit for something more than you ordinarily would. Right. Okay. Um, years ago, um, I got a divorce, mm-hmm. and I was it was a custody weekend, and my children were, ooh, golly, um, I'll go six and six and three, you know, and kind of tough, and I'm driving back, feeling like a heel, you know, the whole mm-hmm. thing, and uh, my oldest son was sitting in the a passenger seat looking out the window and he said uh, not saying much we're getting closer to my old house and he leaned over and said dad will you always remember my name I went well of course I will buddy he went oh, okay and he looked back out the window and guilt I'm just devastated and I'm like oh my god what a, I have got to I've got to hug him I've got to you know blah blah blah, blah. and I'm, this this whole thing was going on and as I'm in my head, trying to keep from bawling my eyes out, mm-hmm. I hear, knock, knock. I said, who's there? He goes, boy, you forgot already? <laughs> I'm like, whoa, whoa. Uh, you set me up for a knock, knock oh joke? Oh, my gosh. And that's when I realized, we're going to be okay. Yeah. We are going to be okay. I'm, I'm doing this self-immolation stuff over here. Right. He's moved beyond it. Right. Set the old man up for a knock, knock joke. Oh. I went in feet first. Yeah. And... I just started laughing, and he, I don't think he understood why. Yeah. But then we all started laughing. It was like we're going to be okay. That kid's going to be fine. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah. I, I I I mean I hate to say this because I don't. When I look at that and I hear that story, because first of all, I'm six and three. I got this. Okay. I am yeah, yeah. right where you okay, are. Yeah. Okay. And so, and and this is why I get so excited about this work is, and we were you know talking earlier about April. Um, so this April, what we are doing is putting at the very center of this campaign of strengthening families, moments of family joy, just like you had said. Bingo. Yep. So in the reason why, and this is not, this didn't come out of my idea. This was something that Leah Moran from um, New Hampshire Healthy Families, which is a home visiting program. I had a home visitor come to my house to help me sort out some challenges and think about where are we going, right? And and then I asked her because I was, she was just so nice and sweet and uh, the person who came was so great. I was like, what are we doing? What, you're coming into my house to help me. You're listening to me, helping me, asking me questions about how I'm doing and where I want to go. What's the point of all this? And she turned and looked at me and said, we're trying to create space for family joy. And I've been thinking about that for months because in the everything I described about these strengthening families, protective factors and all this, if you have joy in your life, you have moments for growth. Because when you have joy, you have temporarily made stressors go down, mm-hmm. resources and resilience go up. And if that 
happens more often in a family, you're going to be, as a parent, more receptive to maybe picking up moments of learning, helping your child also kind of navigate things. Because joy is easier to navigate when you're strong. It's easier to look at the, the where you want to go than when you're weak. Because when you're weak, it's hard to see the. But rest. how do you how do you insert honest to God joy? as opposed to artificially induced joy. Well, this is why I get, again, I'm so excited that you asked because okay. the when you have a child that's uh, social and emotionally competent, like we talked about right, earlier, right. when you have social connections, when you have access to resources, these things don't have to just come out of you. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to have an environment where they can occur, right? So your okay. story about your son, I just took my son back to his pediatrician because I mentioned the challenges right. that he, he's having. We were looking at adjusting his medication because we're still getting emails home from school. Things aren't they're good, better, not great, mm -hmm. working on it. Okay. So the, the doctor checks him out. Again, he's six. The doctor starts doing the, the light in the eyes with his finger, and he's mm -hmm. moving his finger across my son's face. My son, at the middle, crosses his eyes and then dead eyes the last two inches, and the doctor looks at me and is like, we got a problem here. And then my son starts smiling, and the doctor can't stop laughing because my son just pranked him. I like this. You're I right? like this. So when we talk about that, I'm like, your son, yeah, yeah, yeah. my son's going to be fine. And guess what? I couldn't stop laughing either. The doctor looks at me and says, I have never had a child do that to me before. <laughs> and he couldn't stop laughing. So this is what I'm talking about. Wow. These things are, but that's what happened. And I came into that meeting stressed out. That's what happens when you've got an environment where you're more available. You're actually more receptive to those moments. And you said before, what's resilience? Sometimes it's just laughing. But you're asking a parent, and, and, and I believe me, I, obviously, I've been there, you've been there, mm -hmm. um, to somehow set aside the financial stress, mm -hmm. the physical stress, mm -hmm. the stress of a child, uh, work, blah, 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 to be maybe not 100% parent, but be mm -hmm. a friend. Yeah. But, but you can't go too far in that role because kids need... A parent, not a f necessarily their yeah. BFF. Right. Okay, so that's a fine. But the parent has to make themselves available. Yeah. And that's hard. It is hard. And I'll tell you, that, that one, you know, we ask a lot of parents these days. And we put a lot of burden on parents. So mm -hmm. when I hear you say that, I, what I hear is, okay, a parent has to do another thing. As a burned out, stressed out parent, I'm like, no, thank you. Yeah. I would have rather not driven here today in the snow because that was you. stressful, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I'm asking is actually opposite. I'm this asking. This is the high point of your day. Come on. It, was it worth is. The ride, yeah. <laughs> it actually is. I'm glad I made the second half. So, but um, I guess what I'm asking is the people around those parents to start to consider what's happening to those parents. Yeah. I'm asking that when we talk about this thing called primary prevention, which is the whole point of April, we see it as a verb, not a noun, and things that we can do, right? So let me, you know, I've got a neighbor who doesn't have, she has older or older kids, the moment she sees me scrambling through the yard and says, hey, I can watch your kids while you finish your workday, that's prevention, wow. right? Yeah, yeah. When I shovel Joan's driveway, who also has a you know kinship care situation, mm -hmm. and so she can go to a medical appointment, that's prevention, right? So what I'm saying is I'm saying in your life, okay. in your community, yep, yep. look around, and then the parents, because we all are adverse to help seeking, these resources that I was talking about, access to concrete supports, community connection, they're available statewide in the form of family resource centers, uh, Zoom groups, in-person groups. 
if you feel, you know, if, if you're strengthened to the point where you feel like you can strengthen others, great. Know that there's also resources available. And right now, for example, right now, if you missed a mortgage payment because you had an earnings shocked out of COVID, COVID Whoa, yeah. you can go to a family resource center and they can help you with that. Mm -hmm. They can steer you towards legal, they can steer you towards housing, and they can help you navigate. So that's what I'm asking, you know, don't put it on the parents. Remember, the parents exist in a community. And when that community looks at its parents and says, hey, this is a foundational part of our community and those kids are gonna grow up here, that's when we get where we gotta go. So is this your appearance here? Uh, is this part of your outreach effort on behalf of the, child, the Children's Trust? It is, but I was also looking for some parenting advice, which I think you gave me. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, I, I would like to think that, you know, I was dad of the year. I know I wasn't, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, but yeah. when I can sit there and look at a, a big spectrum of years and that one just jumps out at yeah. me, when I was at my lowest, yeah, out of the mouths of babes and fools, mm -hmm. there you go. There you go. He told me, hey, yeah. stupid, you're going to be okay. Yeah. I'm like, wow, stop dwelling in yourself. Look around. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, last, uh, last Father's Day, I got a, a cup that said number two dad, and I was like, dang it. Next year, next year. Well, you know, it's um, you can learn, and I appreciate that. That's yeah. good. Is there a, a website or? or is Absolutely, there... I'm glad you asked. So, uh, you know, if if you're out there, you're hearing this. If you go to nhchildrenstrust.org, you can see you know access to all the resources across the state. And in fact, we've got a locator on what's called FSNH, it's Family Support New Hampshire, is a website dedicated to essentially connecting you to those resources across the state. So if you want more information on what's coming down the pike in April, including we put out a video taking all those moments of family joy, we put out a call to say, hey, you're your own paparazzi. We know they exist on your cell phone. We combine them into a, a video. Oh, nice. So we're going to be releasing that next Monday. And then we have a lot of other resources for families, caregivers, and communities across the So state. you've got more stuff coming up in April to yeah, celebrate this. The whole thing. Trainings, webinars, Zoom. We've got a lot going on. Any more public uh, participation kind of thing? Well, I was hoping that you'd invite me back. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> you and I will put our heads together. We'll find the next time the roads are bare. Yeah. And we'll... Sometime in April, we'll get you back and kind of get a, a learning curve of where you are and, and what needs to be done. That's awesome. You know, last time I was here, it snowed like this, so I'm starting to think it's me, just so you know. Okay, you book him next time then. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Nathan, <laughs> pl real pleasure. It was a pleasure. And we made you smile. Yeah, you did. This no. is actually a moment of joy for me, so I'm going to take this home. That's good. Uh, what do we got for bumper? Uh, it's uh, <clears throat> Chuck Berry. Do it. Yeah. Do it. Chuck Berry, Linda Ronstadt, and Keith Richards. Yeah, that's true.
107. I was never a huge Stones fan. No. The Beatles. For me, it was the Beatles. Mm-hmm. But if you ask me, pick one song that says 60s, that would be the song. Yeah. I mean, that, to me, is a classic 60s song, Satisfaction. Yep. And it, it rocks. It's a great, great song. It is a good song. Um, Timeless. The story about that one was uh, Keith, figure this out. Keith was drunk, mm-hmm. and <laughs> he uh, had a reel-to-reel tape recorder in his hotel room. Mm-hmm. And while he was drunk, he was just wailing on the guitar and had that opening riff. Dun, 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 and passed out. Mm. Woke up the next morning going, what was I doing? And played the tape back, and Mick came in and went, that's good. What is that? I don't know. Do it again. Do it. Dun, 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 dun. That's how the song started. Yeah. So I know when I engaged in too much alcohol, nothing productive ever came out of it. But. <laughs> yeah. Not an award-winning song. No. 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 no unfortunately. Not yeah. At all. Yeah. Uh, still, it's what you see is what you're going to get today. It's going to be yeah. blustery, overcast, cold. Yeah. Kind yeah. of a reminder um, that uh, we're not there yet. We got two days of it. And, and then uh, Wednesday, things start dialing back, and we're back into the 40s, 50s. Um, but, you know, March, it came in like a lamb. And yeah, it's gonna, out like a lion. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> almost. Well, almost. It, but Friday is opening day of salmon season. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, only through natural openings in the ice. Hmm. And Sunapee's starting to, uh, you know, open up. Yeah, I'm actually wondering what ice that's going to be this year. I bet it's going to be pretty early. Uh, I would think it would be. Yeah. Uh, I was up uh, in Orange and uh, Grafton yesterday, uh, Tewksbury Pond. I could see some of the stuff breaking up around the sides of Tewksbury. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's getting there. Yeah. Time to time to start getting ready. Get your fishing gear ready and get ready to play. Yeah, April's always one of those months where it's hit or miss. I know. You know? I know. Uh, you get a snowstorm still, but... Uh, my oldest kid was born on April 15th, mm-hmm. my little tax deduction. Um, <laughs> and uh, I remember going, uh, my wife went into labor uh, on the 14th. And uh, we had prepped for it. And okay, fine, great. She went into labor at like 11 o'clock at night. I'm like, oh, okay, quick. Threw her in the Jeep and got outside. Snowing like a banshee. Mm-hmm. Like, really? Yeah. Uh, doing six miles an hour to get to the hospital. Oh, geez. Finally got to the hospital. The doctor came in. Went, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh, no. We're still 12 hours away. <laughs> uh, ended up staying at the hospital. He del- finally delivered uh, like 4 o'clock the next afternoon. Like, yeah, but it was snowing on the 15th. So yeah. you never know. No, you don't. You just don't. Uh, 9.10 is the time. We are going to... Um, take a chat in a couple of moments uh, with uh, a group down in uh, Washington, D.C., down on K Street. Um, They are a um, group known as the National Committee to Preserve Social Security and Medicare. And if you are um, um, availing yourself of Medicare, apparently there are four, count them, four significant improvements in Medicare. Um, I, I got a thumbnail on a couple of them, but they're going to uh, uh, call us and explain um, how you're going to get improved access to care. And um, if you have, I think it's insulin, um, uh, there's some some savings model. Hmm. Um, uh, you can get insulin. I, the number they told me uh, was 35 bucks a month. 
which hmm. is, I guess, great compared to. Is it, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a month supply of insulin for thirty-five bucks. I guess that's. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds like a really a good deal. Yeah. So, but I don't know what the if there are bells and whistles that go. I don't know. Mm. We will uh, uh, find out about that in a couple. And uh, then uh, after that, uh, I think we'll probably chat with uh, uh, Dan, uh, Capital Well Clean Water Center, mm-hmm. uh, because um, they've got the uh, some of the Class Five roads, some of the uh, dirt roads around the state, load limits, uh, so they can't get the big rigs in. Yeah, it's been a nightmare this oh, year for a lot yeah, of places. Yeah, and uh, as Dan has said before, if we get the trucks in. There's no guarantee we're getting them out. <laughs> right. And then we've got to get a wrecker in to get them out, and that's just a whole nother mess. Uh-huh. So we'll see how things are progressing on that front. Yeah. So, uh, 9-12 is the time. We'll take a break, and we'll be back with more on the other side right after this. Sixteen is the time. Kenny Chesney, gone, ain't back yet. With someone who is with us this morning, uh, former staff director of the Senate Special Committee on Aging, a uh, veteran of Capitol Hill. He is the president and CEO of the National Committee to Preserve Social Security and Medicare. Max Rickman is back with us. Hey, Max, how are you? I'm good. Uh, good morning. Thanks for having me again. Well, it's a pleasure. It's been a while. We haven't chatted. Yes, I'm glad to be with you this morning. Well, uh, I'm glad I didn't have you come up this morning. We had snow, and it's about 13 degrees up here today. Well, I'm glad I'm not there as well. <laughs> so, uh, you, you uh, in, in the email, you said there's four significant improvements uh, available now to uh, Medicare recipients. What are they? Well, the first one, uh, and, and I should preface it by saying there are limits on, on some of these improvements. They're good, but they're not... The, the total answer. The first one is a, a limit of $35 a month uh, copay for insulin. And that's a good thing. It's, it's normally much more expensive for those Medicare beneficiaries that uh, need insulin. So uh, we support that. Uh, what people should know is that that uh, applies if you're on Medicare and you have Part D, that's the prescription drug component of the Medicare uh, program, it has, you have to be in what is called an enhanced Part D uh, coverage. Most uh, Medicare beneficiaries do have that kind of um, Medicare Part D enhanced drug coverage. <clears throat> if you do, and if your uh, uh, insurance uh, participates in that, uh, you can take advantage of the $35 a month copay. And that's a big deal for those people that it does help. Uh, it, it is important to find out whether your plan does uh, participate in this model. That's really a, a, a model for, um, that's been around for a little over a year. <clears throat> and to, to make that determination, your listeners should go to the website, medicare.gov, slash plan compare. 
and they will be able to determine whether they can take advantage of this uh, savings for insulin. If you're not in that kind of plan, you'd have to wait till the open enrollment period for the Medicare okay. uh, program, and that's October 1st uh, through December 7th every year. All right. Now, I don't have a clue, Max. Uh, how, how much would insulin ordinarily be a month? It's at least twice that, sometimes three or four times that, oh, wow. depending on the, the kind of insulin uh, and how you access it, if it's in a vial or what's called a pin uh, dosage form. So the savings is at least uh, uh, 50%. It could be more, depending on the kind of insulin uh, that you do require. Okay. All right. Well, that, that, okay, a savings, that's good. Yes, that's really good. Uh, you know, I, I want to be clear, though. This is not uh, this is not the final uh, uh, answer to uh, to the insulin issue and to Medicare as a whole. We support federal legislation that will put a limit of thirty five dollar copay on insulin, regardless of what plan you're in, regardless of what kind of insulin. Uh, that you uh, that you use that you need, so this is good for some people, and it's a good thing for some people, but it's not what we really want to see in the long run. We want to see across the board uh, reduction for everybody, regardless of what um, Medicare Part D plan you're in. And moreover, what we really need for holding down the cost of prescription drugs is to mandate the government to negotiate for the best price, not just for insulin, but for all drugs. Now, right now, the government is prohibited, specifically prohibited, uh, under the law that set up the Medicare prescription drug uh, portion, Part D, in 2003. It cannot negotiate for the best price, and that's, a, that's been a huge issue for us ever since 2003. We were hoping uh, to get that resolved in, the, in this year. The House did pass legislation that would um, require negotiations, not what we wanted exactly, a limited number of drugs expanding over time. That's been, as you probably know, stuck over in the Senate. So this is a, a little step, an important step, but we need to take a few more steps. What, what, what's the holdup, Max? Why, why wouldn't they want to negotiate? <laughs> they're they're, they're uh, prohibited. The government is prohibited from negotiating. And when the law was was uh, developed back in 2003, uh, the pharmaceutical industry, pharma, the association uh, for the pharmaceutical industry, uh, had their heavy hand in that negotiation. They did not. Uh, in that issue on negotiation, they did not want to, uh, they didn't, frankly, to be honest, they didn't want to lose some of the profits uh, that they have now because they can pretty much set whatever the price is. And to me, it makes no sense. You have a, an entity, Medicare, representing tens of millions of people, and they can't negotiate for yeah. the best price. This was, uh, this was a win for pharma and a, and a huge loss for Medicare beneficiaries. We've been trying to change that ever since 2003, so far unsuccessfully. Wow. All right. Well, okay, so we've got the uh, uh, the Part D Medicare savings model. There's one. What's uh, the next in line? The, the next in line is uh, allowing uh, clinics, uh, private medical practices, 
to bill Medicare for uh, services provided by physicians' assistants, and they do. They uh, uh, there is a, a discount, if you will, uh, if this is uh, with, for those clinics and private practices that uh, take advantage of this. You know, physicians' assistants can do. Uh, I'm sure you know can do much of what a doctor does, especially. Uh, in a setting where a lot of Medicare patients are treated, uh, they can be seen more quickly, and they can write prescriptions. So it's, uh, I think it's likely that having this change, and this did not require a law, it was done by regulation, that would allow physicians' assistants to be reimbursed through a private practice or a clinic, is going to improve the efficiency of patient care especially where there is some follow-up required. Excellent. Okay, good. Another good Third step. Third is uh, Medicare patients now can use the telephone to get um, assistance with behavioral issues. I think this is uh, very important for those who need some health counseling and behavioral issues. It's it's a helpful change, and as probably in your your part of the country, uh, and in many others, it's important that uh, this can be done over the phone where people don't have access to good uh, Internet, broadband, and uh, having it be a service provided by audio only over the, over the phone, <clears throat> I think, can facil- facilitate that kind of uh, counseling. The next, uh, the last uh, issue, and by the way, we discovered these improvements uh, a couple months ago. I'm, I'm kind of surprised they haven't been touted more extensively by the Medicare program, but we decided we were going to try to do our part to get the word out. The last improvement involves medical nutrition therapy. Uh, it, right now, if you're on Medicare, Part B will cover uh, medical nutrition therapy. It's called, for short, MNT services. 100% coverage for those individuals who need this uh, advice and therapy. If, in the event they are diabetic, have kidney disease, have a kidney, have had a kidney transplant, uh, there's full coverage from Medicare. It does require a referral uh, from your doctor, but it's an important improvement for those uh, individuals suffering uh, from kidney disease uh, who may be receiving uh, dialysis uh, uh, at a facility. Um, People with these conditions can benefit uh, from the assessments of nutrition, uh, 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 counseling, Mm -hmm. lifestyle counseling. So, uh, you know, I I just uh, am a little surprised Medicare hasn't done more to get the word out. Um, and and if your listeners are interested in getting any more details on these improvements, they can go to our website, ncpssm.org, ncpssm.org, and get more information. Uh, it, uh, there are links to the various programs, uh, to government links, or uh, if someone has further questions, please call our 800 number. Easy to remember, it's 1-800-966-1935, the year Social Security became law. Oh, okay. Now, you had said that uh, um, people can get uh, referrals for medical nutrition therapy. Uh, 
is that referral from a doctor or can that be from a physician's assistant? Uh, it, it, as I understand it right now, it would be from a, uh, from a physician. Okay. All right. Just wondering. Because we, we you know, you would, uh, one of your previous points was uh, access to care. You can see a physician's assistant for things that used to require right. a GP. I didn't know if that was now across the board. My understanding that this would uh, require uh, a referral from a physician. Okay. All right. Well, baby steps, Max. I guess you got to be happy at some of these. And the fact that Social Security and Medicare were, were not touting it, job security for you. Well, you know, it's, it's, it, we're pleased to uh, celebrate any improvements, but we don't take our eye off the ball of the need to, uh, as I said uh, a few minutes ago, have a strong uh, uh, ability of the federal government to, to negotiate for the best price. You know, I've done town hall meetings all over the country. In fact, I've, I was up in, in Rutland uh, and Burlington with Senator Sanders uh, quite a while ago. He was still in the House, member of the House of Representatives at that time. And even back then, one of the most common uh, points of discussion was uh, and complaints was the high cost of prescription drugs. Yep. We still need a long way to go to, to uh, gain control over that. Well, with, uh, with, with all of the uh, financial machinations that are going on with inflation and COVID and the great resignation and all that, how's uh, the stability of Social Security? <laughs> well, Social Security uh, uh, is sound. Excuse me. Is able to pay full benefits until the year 2034, 2035. The trustees uh, move that date a little bit every year. We need to fix that. That does not mean in 2034 or 2035, Social Security is gone. It's bankrupt. There's no money there because uh, there are still payroll taxes coming in, but not sufficient to provide full coverage. If Social Security uh, is not addressed by the Congress. Uh, by that time, benefits would be reduced about 22%. That, that's not acceptable. No. That's a huge reduction. So <clears throat> there's legislation that we support in the, in the Congress. Um, uh, a member of the House of Representatives, not too far from where you are, Connecticut, Congressman John Larson, has a bill uh, in the uh, House of Representatives uh, this, it's called the Social Security 2100 Act. Uh, it would extend the solvency, that date that I mentioned, and improve benefits, improve the minimum benefit, have a more accurate uh, and slightly more generous cost of living adjustment, the COLA, and, and a number of other benefits, and extend the solvency. But uh, that um, is now uh, in the Social Security Subcommittee of the House Ways and Means Committee. It's my understanding that in the next month, the full Ways and Means Committee will take it up. I hope it passes, and then that the House passes it as well. All right. Well, keep us posted, Max. I know you will. Uh, from the- All right. Well, anytime you want to have me come up there over the radio, I'm happy to do it. We'll get you back. I promise, Max. Thank you. If it's warm, I'll come up in person. Oh, you got a deal. I'll hold you to that. Thanks. All right. See ya. Thanks. 
from the National Committee to Preserve Social Security and Medicare down on K Street in the nation's capital. The uh, executive director, Max Rickman, checking in, giving an update on Medicare changes. 9.31 is the time. Going to take a break. Back with more. Winning the World Series. How about Big Poppy? Hey, is there a nickname for Millar? Loudmouth. <laughs> he might be Chunk now. Yeah, he's Mouth and Chunk now. He's getting to the Hey, Bronson. Nelson. Oh, Pedro's little guy. That's right. Nelson. Yeah, down by the river. Down by the banks of the river Charles. Johnny Nitro. Johnny Nitro, that's right. Yeah, that's where you find me. Let's talk about chilling, huh? Broke ankle. The warrior. The warrior. That guy's amazing. Well, I love that dirty water. Oh, I'll stay in your mouth. A uh, bunch of guys in the locker room. Johnny Damon, Bronson Arroyo, Kevin Euclid, all singing Dirty Water. And, you know, the Standells did it originally in 65, but they were a group out of L.A., what does an L.A. group know about Boston and clean water? Now you got three of the Red Sox singing. Okay, that makes sense. 935, and speaking of clean water or dirty water, we like clean water, like Capital Well Clean Water Center. Back with us uh, for another uh, sojourn on the radio, Dan Grace from Capital Well. How are you, Dan? I'm alive. <laughs> oh, no. What, you, you truck off that the road? <laughs> No, no, no. Uh, almost froze to death. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we were talking about that this morning. It's got to be driving the ticks mad. Good. Yeah, I, I'm all over it because I talked to my vet over the weekend, and she's been pulling ticks off dogs for a few weeks now. Yeah, I got into them pretty bad on Saturday. Oh. I've got one of those silly obsessions with uh, being out in the woods a lot and searching for those antlers that fall off deer's head yeah and uh we've been putting the miles to it and i got probably get i don't know 50 60 miles in maybe you know at a pretty slow pace too so it's a lot of time out there all over the place and yesterday or saturday was the first day we got into them pretty good and we pulled i don't know maybe 10 or 10 or 12 off Oof. did you find any yeah. sheds uh, not this weekend. We we didn't luck out this weekend. I even had assisted some dog or had some dogs assist me on Saturday. I took two labs out for a poke out in the woods, and they're trained to smell them out. But uh, no, ton of sign. But uh, you know, good hike in the woods anyway. We got, probably got uh, wow. Well, probably only did ten miles this weekend. We did sixteen last weekend. We found a couple last weekend though. Uh, I got a, my buddy out in New Mexico. He's got a, a yellow lab. And that dog is trained to find elk antlers. And so he's finding yep. these huge, uh, huge racks, you know, five by five, six by sixes. And he just stacks them up in the yard. And once or twice a year, some guy from Oklahoma comes by with a truck and a trailer. And he stops at all the yeah. guides and buys them. And the guy gets, you know, $1,500, $2,000 cash. And in the off season, that's good money for him. Yeah, yeah, they pay. I don't sell any anything that I find, but they pay up to like eighteen, twenty bucks an hour for brown antler. You know, a fresh antler, moose yep. or or deer. Some people pay the, the knife handle makers or furniture makers or what have you. So some people collect quite a stash, and yeah, they can clean up 
fifteen hundred to two grand a year worth of uh, worth of bones. I, I just do it to, to be outside. And I took my daughter with me on Saturday, so she had a fun time learning, you know, more about the woods and what types of trees are what. She's super smart and um, right into science and wow. environment. So yeah, she and, does. She does really well. And after you lugged her for ten miles, I'm sure she probably slept like a baby too. <laughs> there was no problem there. Yeah. yeah there was the last leg. I, I said, the truck's right there if you want to cut over. I'm going to head up around. She says, are you going to think less of me if I go to, go to the truck? <laughs> no. Nice. No. So how are the uh, yeah. how are so, the side roads right now? Are they still? Uh, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, yeah, terrible. As a matter of fact, we went up on over one in, uh, from Sutton to Newberry. Um, Chalk Pond Road, we cut up over, and boy, is that thing blown out. The town's already been in there filling the ruts in, um, you know, putting the crushed stone to it to, to stabilize a little bit. But uh, the, the few days before that, there was two-foot rut, so, you know, it definitely bars our truck. That's a big, a big factor right now in our world is what we can get in on. Um, the road agents are, are not being too lenient this year uh, for good reason. The roads really, really let out pretty quick. Um, the, the frost was, I don't know what caused it, but it seems like there was definitely some more damage to roads than, than we've seen in the past. So they're being pretty strict about um, about us traveling on them. So it kind of blocks us out of a lot of projects. And even the state roads, they've posted a few. Um, and then, you know, you have to look at the fact that even if we can roll on the roads, can we roll on the job site? Because <laughs> they're yeah. equally as distraught, you know, the mud and the and the frost letting out and what have you. But uh, we're still chugging along. The guys are finding, you know, we've got plenty of work here and there. We're just not as efficient as we'd like to be. You know, we're not hitting all the wells in a certain area. We're, we're kind of going to what ones we can get to, which means a lot of drive time in between, which means downtime, which also means more fuel, which we all know is at $5 and something cents, 20 cents a gallon for diesel. Um, so that stings a little bit, but the show, the show must go on, you know. Now, the problem is you can't, you can't uh, take your drilling rig and put it on a half ton and go in there. You got special equipment, <laughs> you know, to have it done. Yeah, yeah. There's no lightning in that load at all, and uh, it's just a matter of of wait, waiting it out. You know, we've been in business what thirty four years, thirty five years now. Um, it's just part of the part of the game. You know, we have to factor on the fact that this month is is really a sh- a, a dead month to, to get any sort of productivity done uh, along, uh, along the way of the drilling end of things anyway. Um, service guys are busy. Uh, filtration is super busy, and we're staying on top of that. Luckily, we've diversified into that over the years and carries the company quite well. But, you know, we really only have about seven or eight months to, to make money with those drill rigs during the year. So that has to be factored into the overall cost of operation, you know. Are the uh, homeowners and the builders being patient? They they were extremely patient um, for the first six months. They waited for us. It's not it's not a real comfortable seat to be sitting in uh, right now, taking those phone calls of people waiting for for us to show up. You know, and then you've got the weather on as uh, a factor that we can't predict, we can't control. So when you assume you're going to be there in a week and you've got two or three wells ahead of you, and in average we can do a well every other day or so, sometimes one a day, sometimes one every three days. So when you're trying to predict when you're out, you know, a week or two or a month out, and then you've got weather to throw into the mix, and that costs you three, four, five days or a breakdown, 
you start to lose, people start to lose their patience, and understandably so. I mean, if you're told a date, you're expecting a date, everything else is pretty, you know, you're, you're getting a delivery, you can kind of assume what that delivery date is going to be, or you hire a contractor, they can have a rough idea of when they're going to wrap a project up and they're going to start your project. Our, ours is a total free-for-all, which is hard, it's a hard concept to grasp, but it is what it is. You know, we've talked about it a lot of times, and there's just no way we can control it. There's no way we can predict it. You just you get on a list, and we'll give you a call when you're next in line. So you get a call like 24 hours or, or a little bit less in, in front, so you know we're coming. Um, but other than that, we can really only ballpark within a week or two of what our, our ETA may be. Say you're number eight on the list. You know, we could be there in eight days, or we could be there in 30 days. Yeah, you know? gotcha. Now, I know you've got um – uh, one of the services we don't really talk about it much, but you have water pipe freeze protection systems. Uh, is that something that goes on and comes off, or does it just go on and I don't need it, so it kind of goes inactive until I do need it? How does that work? Yeah, it's it's a good thing to think about if you well if you ran into any challenges this winter with uh, with freeze ups or if you have in the past. Um, it's an internal heat cable, so much safer than. The external heat lines you can buy at a hardware store, you know, it's a, you, you plug it in right. and it heats up an element, you know, with resistance. And while the problem with those is uh, animals find them quite comfor- comforting. So if you're trying to block, you know, heat a space underneath a trailer or a camp um, and you've got a source to heat, well, obviously a critter is going to find that to be a nice place to make a home and also chew uh, through that electrical cable and cause fires or um rancid smells after they get electrocuted so we have an internal heat cable that's therm it's got a uh, thermatically controlled inside so we can go from inside the house don't have to excavate the water line custom length so we'd, we'd send a probe out to measure the exact length and if we need to we can get them custom fitted or we can use one of the protocols that you know they, they come every every foot or every five feet um we in, install that inside from the basement yep. out the water line and it's only going to kick on the portion of the pipe that needs it as well. So say you've got a 50-foot offset from the well to the house, and you, you want to keep that whole thing thought out. We put a 50-foot internal heat cable in there, but maybe only two feet of it is subject to frost. Maybe only two feet of it kind of humps up in the middle, um, you know, worse than the other areas. And that's the only place it's going to allocate the heat to. So every few feet there's a, there's a new zone that'll that'll keep heated that way you're not paying to heat the entire thing and essentially you can leave it plugged in leave it on and as long as it's not below you know the water temperature doesn't drop below a certain spec then you're not going to need uh it's not going to turn on but um those things are those things are a lifesaver when you have a ledge if if ledge is within four feet of vertical surface you can install one of these so that you don't get a freeze up because there's nothing more inconvenient than when, when they freeze up because they just don't thaw out without somebody coming out and doing some work usually. Or you wait until July. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't happen. That's what you know, I was once that, once that ice gets locked in. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. So, um, well, I don't know. I mean, you, you're still stacked up with uh, some, some drilling, um, water treatment. Yep. Uh, people still taking advantage of that and getting their water tested. Absolutely. It's, that's been pretty consistent, and we just got our second or third order. The other obstacle that we've been contending with in the, in the past few months or, say, years is ordering 
inventory, and we've talked about that. And of course, every industry has it across the board, from automa- automotive to to the food industries. Um, you know what you can get when you can get it. And we were having to predict what we needed for water filtration units seventy days in advance, sometimes even more. So we're trying to make orders. Uh, assuming, you know, and, and we've talked about it, not one filter does it all. It's not like we have just one softener and that fixes everybody's water. We have uh, a myriad of treatment options and minerals and medias that go inside of these filters. So we order them in uh, different different um, brand or different models uh, across the board. And sometimes you sell a ton of one and not much of the other, and then it goes in a cycle the other way around. So at, at any rate, we have a shelf full of water treatment systems. <laughs> so uh, you know, trying to predict and then trying to plan and just making sure we had the orders in so we had the goods. It stinks to have to front all that money and pay for that overhead to sit on the shop floor and not turn it over, but at least we're stocked up and ready to go so that we can uh, get to our customers quickly with that stuff. Cool. All right. Well, 9.47 is the time. Where are you? Uh, what are you going to be doing today? Right now, I'm actually staring at my shop doors, and I'm looking at two Peterbilt box trucks with their hoods tilted up one of them doesn't have batteries on it and the other one's got a battery thing hooked up to it so it looks like uh looks like our equipment's suffering a little bit with this 15 degree swing or 15 degree temperature we had today I hear and you. uh yeah it's a terrible thing to pull into the shop and see your, your trucks with the hoods up but you know again just like the weather it's unpredictable and part of the business yeah well look um next time you take your daughter out looking for sheds if you find one i've got a capital well hat that I don't have a hat rack in the studio, so if you can get me one of those sheds, we'll put it up in the studio and I can hang the hat there. Uh, we can probably work something out. i got enough kicking around. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> All right, Dan, thanks. Yeah. All right. Have a good one. Yeah. See ya. You too. Dan Grace, Capital Well Clean Water Center, 948. Uh, so if you're on the list, um, I, they want to get there, but you heard two-foot ruts. Uh, I was on a couple of the dirt roads, and I've got four-wheel drive, and I went, yeah, no, I'm going to back out now because it's only going to get worse. I wonder why it got, was so bad this year. <sighs> Don't know. Yeah. Don't know. I know some people over in Goshen, some of those dirt roads back there were just nightmarish. Well, I was up in Orange. Uh, yeah. I, it, it just, I, I'm looking over the hill going, it's shaded. I'm seeing ice and ruts. No, I don't think I'm going to do this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because, I, unfortunately, you know, guys being guys, we're not always that smart. I can do it. Yeah, And you get in, it's like, damn. Well, that was a mistake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not good. Not yeah. good. 948, taking a break. Back on the other side with more.
I keep telling Jeannie, this is a love song. She doesn't buy it. No. I said, come on, it's Motley Crue. <laughs> Same old situation. Yeah. <sighs> that girl. <laughs> what she and I picture as love songs, completely different. See, I, I'm I'm disappointed that she didn't call in for the two hours during the show. Yeah, I yeah. know, I know. Well, she's sitting there, I'm sure, uh, going cold turkey. <laughs> <laughs> Just withdrawal. Yeah. yeah. 9.53 is the time. Uh, yes, Goldilocks will be back uh, <laughs> sometime. Um, and she uh, she's one of these people that um, she's fair-skinned, so she goes to Florida. And burns. Yeah. yeah. So she has to do the fake tan. Oh, yeah. Which is... Uh, preventative and i get that does that actually help well i don't know but she looks like, looks like a raccoon <laughs> when she's putting it on and i keep telling her in the nicest way right. you look like a pasty raccoon <laughs> around your eyes it's all white right. she, you know so she's gonna get three or four days of sun and gonna yep. come back and yep. she'll be burnt red mm, third degree burns yeah, yeah. probably yep. she need to want to talk no it hurts to talk okay fine <laughs> so she'll be back you may not know it but she'll be back <laughs> uh, i was on the state 1965, the Supremes uh, did something that hadn't been done uh, for a Motown group. Uh, it was their fourth consecutive number one single, wow. Stop in the Name of Love. All right. Uh, and it was uh, nominated for the 1966 Grammy Award for Best Contemporary Rock and Roll Group Vocal Performance. Hmm. Great, good song. Yeah. It lost to a song that I would never in a hundred years picture would be would beat it flowers on the wall by the statler brothers i don't even think i know that oh uh, counting flowers on the wall that don't bother me at all a country group mm. yeah and i'm like what <laughs> flowers on the wall beat uh that was the in 1966 with all the great music that was going on in 66 that's the one that won best contemporary rock and roll group vocal performance and beat the supremes wow I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. But nope. Yeah. Nope. Do not get it at all. And speaking of weird, weird music, mm-hmm. uh, on the state in 1971, um, WNBC in New York radio station banned Brewer and Shipley one toke over the line <laughs> because of its alleged drug references. Mm-hmm. Okay. Other radio stations around the country did the same thing. Now, if you go to YouTube, bring up Lawrence Welk mm-hmm. and... Punch in Lawrence Welk show one toke over the line. He's got Sissy and Bobby, you know, one of their his vocal cute kids. You mm-hmm. know, they're singing one toke over the line on the Lawrence Welk show, and he says, "Thank you, Sissy and Bobby, for that new modern spiritual." We're like, what? <laughs> A new modern spiritual? Did, did what are the producers? Is you're going? He'll never know this one. <laughs> Quick, we'll put it by the old man. And, oh, yeah, they're doing a great job saying perky, one toke over the line, sweet Jesus. <laughs> and we all know what it is. We're like, Florence Walk, my mom uh, and dad and my grandparents watch that show. Right. It's unbelievable. Um, it was on the state in 1972, if you're an Elvis fan. This was his uh, last major hit. <laughs> burn in Love. Hunk a hunk of Burn yeah. in Love. 1972. That was it. When did he die? What year? Uh, 77. Yeah. 77. Because I was in a, this is one of those weird things. You know where you were at certain events in yeah, life? Yeah. Um, I was in uh, Laurie's Seafood Market in Edgartown, mm. down on Martha's Vineyard. Mm-hmm. Was just going in to have lunch, and the cashier said something about Elvis died. And I went, what? <laughs> I said, oh, yeah, didn't you hear? Elvis died. 
I'm like, what, what? <laughs> As I was getting my lobster and clam chowder. It is forever indelled in my mind that that's where I was when I learned that uh, Elvis had died. Tainted that chowder forever. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but anyway. Uh, so, little uh, little music history for you there this morning. Yeah. Uh, I just figured I'd throw that in. Um, other than that, it's just it's it's a Monday, man. Yeah, we're, it's we're Monday. The, it's cold. Yeah, we're in the in the glide path, um, and then April. Who knows? Um, who knows? Yeah, I just always want not one of those springs where, you know, we get that freak snowstorm late April, early May. Mm. We had that like three years ago. Remember that we had a storm on like May tenth or something. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yep, yeah. but you 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 just got to grin and bear it. I mean, yeah, there's nothing you can do. But you know, it's not going to last. Right. True. So, yeah. but it's annoying. Yeah. And I I've got uh, neurotic dogs. Yeah. You know, I let them out at five five thirty in the morning, mm. and they, typically they'll go out. But if they if there's a wind and snow, ew ew ew, <laughs> it's like shut up, go. Right. I don't want to. I'll hold it. No, go, go. And they won't go. Wow. It's like, oh, they go back to the wood stove. Um, <laughs> CNN, the Clinton News Network, they drive me nuts. Um, this whole, and I didn't know it until you told me this morning, the Will Smith, Chris yeah. Rock thing at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Only CNN would do this. One of their talking heads blamed Donald Trump. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Yeah, they said, are we getting an independent psychological case study on how Trump got normalized? Uh, how is it Trump's fault? I mean, for years, everything after Bush was gone, you had Obama in, and everything was Bush's fault. Right. Now everything is Trump. Really? Will Smith and Chris Rock, and we're going to... Give it up, will you? Man, oh, man. Um, Matt, thanks for coming in this morning. Yeah, not a problem. Appreciate it. Yep. We're back tomorrow with more guests. Do it again. And we will do it all over again, but with different results. Mm. Maybe. Yeah. Stay warm. Drive careful. <laughs>